Hello, hello, and welcome back to Landed in LA. Thank you for joining us for another episode of our podcast covering entertainment issues and having conversations with professionals in the entertainment industry about their experiences. And while today we are going to be talking about a different kind of topic, it's somewhat of a 2020 recap. We're going to be talking about 10 events that impacted the entertainment industry in 2020. But first, a very quick legal disclaimer. The information on this podcast is not legal advice. Very quick and easy. And now, let's get into it. Let's talk about the song of the episode. I am awarding song of the episode to Levitating by our good friends Dua Lipa and Baby. That's right, both of them. Now, technically, this is the remix to Levitating because the original song, Levitating, was on Dua Lipa's album, Future Nostalgia. But the remix is dope. Doesn't Dua Lipa just make you feel like you're going to go to the club with your girls? Or if you're a guy, go to the club with your boys or your mans. (laughs) Okay, I'm getting off topic now. But anyway... Dua Lipa makes you feel like you're going to just go to the club, have a fun time, turn up with your friends. Nothing's going to go wrong. You're not going to do anything you shouldn't be doing. You're just going to have a great time and be lit at the club. So shout out to her and her whole vibe. I'm here for it. And that's the song of the episode. So go listen to it if you haven't already. Levitating. And you'll probably feel like you're levitating, honestly. That's how I feel whenever I hear the song. So that is our song. The theme of the episode today is impact. We're going to be talking about events that had a major, wait for it, impact on the entertainment industry. But I think impact is more than that. Impact is a crucial word that sums up 2020. I don't think any of us really understood the impact that COVID-19 would have on us until it happened. Hindsight is 2020. 2020. But COVID really did impact us all. But guess what? We can impact our own lives day by day, making small changes. I know it sounds cliche, but we really can. It's the little things just by being kind to one another. And 2021 will be the year of flourishing and fun, and all of those wonderful things that we talk about all of the time. So let's get to our episode now. Top 10 events in 2020 that impacted the entertainment industry. Guys, 2020 was such a crazy year. So much happened. It was wild. So many things happened. So many things didn't happen the way that we wanted them to. And there is so much to learn from everything that unfolded in the past year. So this episode, we're going to be talking about 10 events in 2020 that impacted the entertainment industry. Because as we know, the entertainment industry was heavily impacted by a lot of different things that happened last year. So let's get into it. Event number one, we start with the pandemic. The COVID-19 pandemic obviously flipped the entertainment industry upside down. Live action productions came to a halt. And as we know, live action is pretty much the core of 
entertainment in the film and television space. The response to the pandemic was flustered. It was crazy. I mean, I'm here in LA and I remember when things completely shut down in March. We had heard rumblings about coronavirus in December of 2019, in January of 2020, but we didn't fully understand the severity of it and the urgency of coronavirus until it hit us in March of 2020. And from then on, the entertainment industry had to figure out how to respond to it. Productions were shut down. Actors, producers, directors out of work. One good thing we can say is that a lot of writers kept working because you can write from home, you can develop from home, but all of the live action productions, 99.9% um, .9 of them were shut down for a period of time. And then became the battle over force majeure provisions. What qualifies as a force majeure? How do we know when something will be on hold indefinitely? How do we know when something is enough to trigger that good old fun force majeure provision that's in everyone's contracts? That is how a lot of folks had to deal with this pandemic. When do folks get paid? When do actors and directors get paid? Are payment schedules renegotiated as part of their talent agreements? These are all things that were at the forefront of the COVID-19 pandemic for the entertainment industry. So it really changed the way that we all thought about um, how we produce content and how we consume content. That takes me to event number two that's moving into the streaming space. Warner Media, the parent company for Warner Brothers. We all know Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers Film Studio, and Warner Media announced that Warner Brothers will release every Warner Brothers studio film slated for 2021 simultaneously in theaters and on its streaming app, HBO Max. Guys, HBO Max changed the game this year and it really played into this reigning realm of all three, HBO, Turner, and Warner. They are all under the same umbrella now. That's something that we all need to come to terms with and understand. A lot of people have been confused because they had HBO Go. They had HBO Now. I think HBO Now was the separate subscription service previously. And HBO Go was the, um, the app for people who already had HBO subscriptions an app for those folks to be able to watch HBO content on their mobile devices. HBO then decided to combine the two and create its own new streaming service, once again, Content is King, called HBO Max with all of the HBO content, with a lot of Warner Brothers film content, with a lot of Turner Classic Movies content. Where are my film buffs out there, Turner Classic Movies? along with Cartoon Network, which is owned by Turner. So HBO Max is really a combination of all of the content that is a part of Turner, Warner, and HBO. So it's a really fun streaming service and app. But what set off the public 
was in late 2020 when Warner Media said, we're going to release all of our theatrical films both in theaters and on HBO Max at the same time. That's why you all were able to see Wonder Woman 1984 available on HBO Max at home on Christmas Day. It was released in theaters and on HBO Max at the same time. This is huge for the entertainment industry because the theatrical distribution component to a film's release is really big. Companies count on folks going to the movies in the box office, which was already declining before the pandemic. Um, and now things have changed so, so much that theaters are competing with streaming services. And so now we're in a time where box office receipts are not necessarily indicative of the success of a film because we're all watching them at home. So really interesting. Um, critics of this rollout plan were people like Christopher Nolan, um, Inception director, Dark Knight director. I think a lot of creatives take issue with it because they are looking to see their film portrayed and put out on the big screen. And that's just not happening. So it's, it's created a big topic of conversation. I actually miss going to the movies because it is, of course, a different experience. But I'm happy that I can watch movie theater quality movies right here in the comfort of my home. So there's a silver lining with everything. And we'll see where we go from there. On to our next topic. Event number three involves the gaming world. We're going to talk about the PS5. I think it's amazing the way that the gaming world has been able to keep going and stay afloat throughout the pandemic. But with the release of the PS5 and all of the hype before the release of the PS5, I mean, the memes, all of the memes on Instagram and Twitter were all over the place, particularly for us millennials, where the memes were basically men asking their girlfriends to buy them the PS5. Gonna let you know right now, the PS5 runs at around $500. So pretty pricey for the average person, but really, really awesome to see the release of this. I remember back in the day when I had a PS2. That's a throwback. PS2. And I had NBA 2K2, <laughs> which is a real throwback. Um, but the PS5 came out in the midst of this pandemic. The gaming industry has flourished now more than ever. People are gaming um, and getting involved in esports now that we're all working remotely. So I just had to throw in a shout out to the gamers out there and those who are in the gaming world and those who are playing games on their PS5. So shout out to the gaming world because now that I am more a part of it, I want to shout y'all out. Moving on to number four, the unions. In 2020, the Writers Guild of America, the Directors Guild of America, and the Screen Actors Guild all came to new agreements with the AMPTP. That's right, the WGA, the DGA, and SAG all came to new agreements with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers for how the unions are going to work with the major studios as they produce new content going forward. 
These agreements covered increases in residuals to benefits for new writers and new talent in the industry, and also to even nudity writers and new protections for sex scenes and sex simulation scenes for on-camera talent. So really interesting, a good thing to read up on if you haven't already, and really something that affects the entitlements of those working in the industry, whether you're on-camera talent, a director, or a writer. So very important, very topical, and as live-action productions get back into actual production, these things will be a part of the forefront. Number five, the resurgence of drive-in movies. How much do we all love drive-in movies? It's been a long time since I've been to a drive-in movie theater, and it's it was somewhat a thing of the past. But last year, in 2020, when theatrical distribution came to a halt, there were two options. Watch it on a streaming service or figure out where the nearest drive-in theater was near you. Now, I live in L.A., where we happen to have quite a few drive-in movie options already. They have rooftop movie showings. They have drive-in movie theaters in Santa Monica, on Sunset Boulevard, all across L.A. But across the country, across the U.S. here, there's been a real resurgence of drive-in movies, and I think it's great. Not only is it a fun date night, but you can get out, you can kind of be inside your car, but also outside and see a movie. Sounds like a lot of fun. So that is something that has come up as, sadly, going to the movies has become a thing pretty much of the past at this point. Does anyone remember MoviePass, which was supposed to be a subscription service where you pay a monthly fee to be able to see a number of movies at a movie theater each year? I remember when that, when that movie pass service was out. I never was a part of the service or had it, but I did hear a lot about it and read a lot about it. And now it is no longer with us. But I just thought about that. As we look at how we consume movies, a thing like movie pass would have been fun, but now theaters are pretty much empty for the most part. Not to say that some theaters aren't open, but in the major cities, Los Angeles, New York, a lot of theaters are closed. Event number six, sports, esports, and scholarships. Can I tell you that I was so surprised when I first learned that college students are receiving scholarships for playing esports? Esports is playing a video game competitively against other people. You're competing in a video game. And it takes skill. Now, according to Recruiting Network Next College Student Athlete, eSports scholarships generally range from $500 to $800 per year. Okay, so that's a decent amount of money to chip away at the tuition amount. I mean, tuition is sky high nowadays at colleges. We all know that. But $500 to $800 a year isn't too bad. I read recently that Harrisburg University became the first college to award basically a full tuition scholarship to its students for esports in 2018. That was now three years ago. So I'm interested to see how esports 
grows bigger and bigger. It's certainly a big part of the gaming world. It's portrayed in popular culture. I remember seeing an esports segment or scene on the show Ballers with The Rock. But it just shows the large scale and the impact of esports in the sporting community. So, shout out to all the gamers out there once again. And if you have a scholarship for esports, hit us up at landedinlapod at gmail.com. That's landedinlapod at gmail.com. Come talk to me. I want to talk to you. Moving right along, number seven, Peacock. Birds. Bird is the word. Peacock. The launch of Peacock, NBC Universal's streaming platform. Really, really exciting. It launched in July of 2020 um, to the public. They did a, a previous launch just, I believe, for Xfinity customers, Comcast Xfinity. And then after that, released it to the entire nation in July. Um, really cool platform. It has three tiers, a free tier, a premium, and a plus tier. But the big thing about Peacock and what Peacock taught us is that licensing and distribution agreements are very, very important, my friends. They are what makes the world go round. Yes, they are. All of the content that we watch on these streaming services, whether it's Netflix, Hulu, HBO, are all subject to distribution agreements, licensing agreements, holdback periods, carve-outs. These things are very important. And how did we see this manifest in 2020? Well, on New Year's Eve, December 31st, when we all should have been out partying somewhere, celebrating the new year, well, coronavirus shut down a lot of the country. So a lot of people were at home for New Year's Eve. And what did we learn? We learned that one of Netflix's most popular shows, now I'll stop myself there. Technically, it's NBC's show that was on Netflix. But a lot of people got a Netflix subscription just to watch this one show. The Office. Steve Carell. John Krasinski. Jenna Fisher. One of my favorite shows, Hilarious, that was one of Netflix's staple shows, a staple third-party show. You turn on Netflix, you know The Office is going to be there. You get that Netflix subscription because you want to watch The Office. I can't tell you how many people I work with or who I went to school with who literally had Netflix just so they could watch The Office. Well, on December 31st, people went crazy watching The Office because they knew on January 1st, 2021, The Office would be leaving Netflix and jumping right over to Peacock. That just shows you how these license and distribution agreements work. So very interesting move. Peacock, of course, is owned by parent company NBC Universal. Um, NBC Universal is the company that originally produced The Office. So this is a situation where the original content creator is taking back the reins on their popular show and saying, hey, we're happy The Office did really well on Netflix, but we're taking it back and putting it on our streaming service. To me, you guys, 
this makes it really interesting for the future as we look toward 2021 and beyond because we don't know how many companies will be basically taking back the reins, taking back their staple shows. Once more and more companies get their own streaming service, NBC's got a streaming service. Disney Plus has its own streaming service. Don't worry, we're going to talk about it. It's coming, it's coming. We're going to talk about Disney Plus. We'll get there. NBC now has its own streaming service where they're going to be airing their cable network content. Let's recognize NBC Universal owns E, owns Bravo, owns, of course, NBC Broadcast Network, which is where The Office originally aired. So it will be very interesting to see the ways in which networks and content creators take back their content in the future. Content is king. We can't say it enough. Content is king. So that's the take on Peacock. Really excited to keep watching The Office just now on Peacock. And from what I understand, they've got some new behind-the-scenes content. They had a really, really fun promo with Oscar, well, with the actors who played Oscar and Meredith on The Office. I enjoyed that. Shout out to them. And can't wait to watch it. Event number eight. 2020 had us take a look at ourselves as a country in terms of race relations, in terms of hatred and bigotry, and all of the negative things that have plagued our country and our country's history for years. The death of George Floyd, the death of Breonna Taylor, all of these things caused us to take a step back and look at how we can better ourselves in terms of eliminating racism and all other kinds of bigotry that truly are toxic to our country. The Black Lives Matter movement was hugely impactful in 2020. And one of the ways that it specifically impacted the entertainment industry was something that we saw with a lot of white actors stepping down from their roles and explicitly stating that characters of color should be played by people of color. And this was a form of recognition of white privilege, of racial inequities, and basic inequality that happens in the entertainment industry, ranging from a lack of representation of black people, of other people of color, to a lack of representation in the entertainment executive space, whether there are lawyers, agents, managers, all of the people who heavily influence the way that business affairs run and that business is done. Um, there was a recognition that there are very few black people in these roles. One example is from the show Family Guy. The actor who played Cleveland Brown, his name was Mike Henry. He was a white actor. He actually stepped down in summer of 2020 and he tweeted saying that he would be stepping down and that people of color should play characters of color. Um, really impactful and a really great form of leadership, I think. And really highlighting the inequalities of race in Hollywood. So that is one way that a very huge movement, Black Lives Matter, because Black Lives Matter is so huge across our country. 
But that's one way that this big cause influenced a portion of the entertainment industry um, that shines a light on a lack of representation. So I'm glad to see the ways that the entertainment industry is slowly but surely changing for the better. And the more we work toward this, the more changes we'll see. Event number nine, going to highlight this documentary, Tiger King. Tiger King will always hold a special place in my heart because this documentary was released essentially at the outset of the pandemic. And we didn't know that we would all be at home. We didn't know that we would be able to watch this weird, random documentary. And I say weird facetiously because this documentary is a ton of fun. It's hilarious. Um, Joe Exotic is truly a character. And (laughs) there's probably no one like him out there. But I think everyone saw a subsect of culture while watching this documentary. And it was crazy because we were all at home and it was the first thing you saw when you opened Netflix one day and there it was. Joe Exotic versus Carol Baskin. Carol Baskin's agent. If you are listening to this, give me a ring. Hit me up. LandedInLAPod at gmail.com. That's LandedInLAPod at gmail.com. You've done some great work, Carol Baskin's agent. I saw Carol Baskin on Dancing with the Stars this fall, and that is great. Let's, let's talk. Let's have a conversation. Let's see what we can put together. Really love Tiger King. It's a lot of fun. And I think that Tiger King will live in the mind, particularly of a lot of millennials, as something that was representative of our time during the pandemic because we all watched it we all saw how crazy it was we all saw what went down and it was entertainment and also education into one subsect of american culture or dare i say americana culture All right, last but not least, event number 10. Can you guess what it is, you guys? Can you you sense it? Let me give a hint. I am your host, your ghost host. (laughs) Okay, anyone might know that quote from The Haunted Mansion, which is one of the rides at Disneyland and Disney World. And we are going to talk now event number 10, The launch of Disney Plus. Guys, I am a Disney person. I'm a big Disney person. What can I say? It's never going to change. I wholeheartedly enjoy Disneyland. I enjoy Disney history. Um, It's a lot of fun. So Disney Plus is a big part of Disney history. The launch of Disney's own streaming service. What? That is like the biggest content is king move ever. Content is king. Content is king. Content is king. I can't say it enough. The launch of Disney Plus shows us what Disney as a conglomerate has put out there. You've got all the Disney content. You've got all the Pixar content. You've got the Lucasfilm content. You've got National Geographic. You've got all kinds of things. You've got Marvel, which, as we all know, has so much content. A lot of big fans of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Black Panther was automatically on Disney Plus when it came out. Rest in peace to Chadwick Boseman. We love you. 
We miss you. It was a shock when you passed away. Disney Plus has so much content and is really kind of flexing its muscles. Let's talk about Black is King by Beyonce, her wonderful film that she put out this summer as a second part to her Lion King The Gift album from 2019. I mean, the content, the partnerships with talent is really just amazing. So Disney Plus is really big because Disney said, we're putting our hat in the ring for this streaming war and we're going to do what we do. Really exciting stuff. So much is on Disney. They released The Mandalorian. Everything seems to just be going on. There's so much content. We don't know what to watch. What are we going to watch now? There is just so much going on. Disney released Mulan in 2020, which was supposed to be released in theaters. Disney opted for a separate fee for folks to see Mulan specifically. Changing up the streaming model. That's what I love about Disney. Disney is so fun because you never know what they are going to do. You never know what they're going to come with. And that's what a real boss does. So Disney, thanks for keeping us on the edge once again. We can't wait to see what's going to be on the platform in 2021. And with that, those are 10 events in 2020 that impacted the entertainment industry. To sum it all up, you guys, it's all about streaming. It's all about how do we get theatrical films seen by audiences outside of a theater? Are they going to go to a drive-in movie? Eh, they might. Are they going to watch it on Netflix? Are they going to watch it on their TV, on HBO Max, on Disney, on Apple Plus, on whatever streaming service? Probably, if it's there for them. So now the question is, how did they take all the time and money spent to make these million-dollar films and translate it to the smaller screen? That's what it's all about. And how do we keep these businesses going in the world of Zoom interviews, in the world of streaming, in the world of gaming, keeping everything alive digitally and online? So my prediction here from Landed in L.A., what we foresee here is that streaming will continue, but brands will start to take back their content. The NBCs of the world, the Disney and ABCs of the world are going to start ripping their content off of other streaming platforms and find a way to profit off of what they've created even more. But we'll see. Licensing agreements are still pretty valuable and keep the brand names out there too. So it'll be really fun to see the way that the industry continues to be impacted. And we'll call it a day from there. Once again, I am your host, Mikella. Thank you for joining us. This has been wonderful. If you have questions or anecdotes that you want us to talk about, email us, landedinlapod at gmail.com. Follow us on social, landedinlapod on Instagram, on Twitter. We're here. This is a lot of fun. As always, stay well, take care, and take in some entertainment. Have a fun time.